Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas, mostly but not exclusively BL dramas. It's part review, part recap, so there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Welcome to episode two. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Fighting Mr. Second, which is the second season of We Best Love. We'll be discussing episodes one through three. Then Second Chance, episode two. Yes, I know I said I probably would not continue, but I could not resist. I just want to know what happens with Jeno's storyline, as well as the other characters, but mainly Jeno. And we will also be talking about Word of Honor episodes six through ten. So first up, We Best Love, Fighting Mr. Second, season two. I actually had to go back. I watched the first episode of Fighting Mr. Second without having seen We Best Love season one. And that's because I had a little trouble getting onto WeTV, but I finally did. So you can go check that out on WeTV. The only thing is past the first episode, it's only available to VIP members. So you do have to have that membership. Just a little backstory. If you haven't seen number one for you, our main leads are Gao Sida and Joshui. They are university students. It is an enemies to lovers story. Enemies really on one side because Gao Sida actually has feelings for Joshui, but Joshui has feelings for someone else. Things happen. They eventually get together. We think they will be together forever. As it turns out, Gasuda has to take a trip to America because his mother is getting married. So he goes with his mom just to kind of get her settled. He's supposed to be away for a couple of months, but two months turns into two years. We find this out in episode seven. I'm not sure if that was the storyline that they had to begin with or if that was just added on because the show became so popular. Episode seven is only about 10 minutes long. So I think it's something they just added on so that they could get into season two. Season two, which is fighting Mr. Second, takes place five years later. Gaussida is now back and he is the CEO of a company. The company has just been sold and it turns out the representative of the company is coming to visit and who should walk in but Zhao Shuyi. Joshui expresses his displeasure, we'll say, at seeing Gao Sida again, and he's obviously an angry person right now. And we saw a little flashback in the beginning of episode one of Fighting Mr. Second, where Joshui had gone on a business trip with his dad to America, and I can't really tell there if he sort of bumped into him by mistake or went purposely to find Gasida, but he sees him in a park with a blonde woman who is supposed to be American, I guess they're in America, and he's holding a baby, and they look like a nice little happy family there. Joshui doesn't ask any questions, he just leaves and I guess assumes that that is Gasida's family, and so he's upset obviously he thought they were going to be together he thought they were waiting for each other and here Gaussida is apparently with a new family and everything and we saw in episode seven of season one that they had lost contact for two years Gaussida was in America for two years I don't know at what point this particular trip where he saw Gaussida in the park I don't know where that falls within that two-year period but suffice it to say there has been a rift and anger at least on one side on Joshui's side 
and we, we're not quite sure what's happening on, on Gaoshite's side, except that he's confused because, you know, they lost contact. Working in the office and witnessing this reunion is Yu Zhen Shen, who is the chief technology officer of Gaoshite's company. And he is actually part of the other pairing of this show. So this basically is what we will see for episodes one and two. It's a very push and pull relationship. Joshui claims to hate Gaosude. He tells Gaosude that he hates him, but you can tell it's really disappointment is really what he's feeling, intense disappointment. If you know from season one of We Best Love, you know that Joshui lost his mother as a child. So he's already had loss in his life, and I think it makes him like a very closed off kind of person. He appears cold to people who don't know him, and he opened his heart to Gaosude, and Gaosude just disappeared on him, you know, as far as he knows. And so there was a sense of loss there. And that turned into disappointment. Maybe it did turn into anger. You know, they say love and hate. It's different sides of the same coin. Gaosude has basically loved Joshi forever, ever since he met him as a child. We learned in season one that he had met him as a child and liked him since then. You know, wanted to be his friend, but obviously in university, it became something else for him. He, he loved him and he still loves him. You can tell that he wants with all his heart to get back together with Joshuyi, but Joshuyi isn't ready for that. Joshuyi needs an explanation of what happened. So far in episodes one and two, we don't see an explanation from Gaosuda as to what happened between them. Why did he suddenly just disappear from Joshuyi's life? So there we go. We've got two very hurt people. Joshuyi, because he finally for the first time in his life, trusted someone and that person basically broke his trust. And Gaosuda, because he still loves Joshui, wants more, nothing more than to get back with him and just kind of pick up where they left off and Joshui is not having it at all. Which makes sense because five years have passed and they've changed, things have happened to them, they've had different experiences. You can't just kind of pick up where you left off five years ago when in many ways you're, you're different people now. So before I get into episode three, just want to say a couple of things about episode one and two, the way it was directed. If you look on Wii TV on the website, there are a lot of behind the scenes clips, videos, there are interviews and so forth, but there are also behind the scenes videos there. One of the behind the scenes videos that they have on there is actually the filming of part of that video is the filming of a scene that takes place. It actually takes place in episode one and then kind of carries over into just past the beginning of episode two. I think it's valuable to see that behind the scenes because the way the behind the scenes was filmed, the way Gasada was being portrayed there, it was set up a little differently than what the final product in season two was. And kudos to the director actually for that, because the way that the one they decided to use in episode two, that scene actually to me fits more into their characters. The behind the scenes video, Gasada is very self-assured, almost looks kind of predatory 
in this particular scene. And I don't think at this point in the show, that's really him. He's not self-assured. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows what he wants to have happen, but he doesn't know if it's going to happen for them, that they're going to get together or not get together. So I think the director made the right choice. Not that I know anything about directing, but I think the director made the right choice in going with the scene the way that he did. We got to see Gasada just hurt when Joshiyi walks away from him and Joshiyi just being completely caught off guard because he tried to you know bait the tiger and the tiger responded and he didn't know what to do in that moment. Also the director is using the flashback very effectively because for some of them we get to see how lovey-dovey they were before and now they're not anymore and that you can see that real contrast and we get to see Joshiyi just being really emotional in the opening scene of episode two as a flashback and and, you know, that's also a contrast to his very cold demeanor that he's trying to show to the world. Now, the end of episode two. Episode two, Gasada winds up going to a bar that his cousin owns. Remember, his, his cousin, if you saw season one, his cousin was the doctor at the university. He's back here in season two because he's actually part of the other pairing with the chief technology officer. So Gasada is in his cousin's bar getting drunk and just decides he's gonna go see Joshiyi. You know, it makes sense. He always wants to see Joshiyi, but he's not in his best mind there. And he decides to go to Joshiyi's house. He says, you know, to bring snacks, but he winds up just breaking down over there and apologizing or trying to apologize to Joshiyi, saying he never should have gone to America, saying he's sorry, but still not explaining what in the world happened. And Joshiyi just is like, tell me what happened. This is a very physical episode. It's a physical couple of episodes, I guess. Um, as I said, Joshiyi's angry. He does strike out and this in episode two, when Gasada goes to the house, he is trying to kiss Joshiyi, you know. There's not so much a difference in height between them, but there is a difference in body type. And Gasada is just bigger physically than Joshiyi. And he basically is dragging him into the house, not allowing him to leave. He's trying to kiss him. And there's a scene that you're not quite sure what happens. Gasada wakes up the next morning. He has no clothes on. You're not sure what happened. Some people have interpreted this as an NC scene. They don't show anything beyond them kissing. Before the scene kind of fades away, we do see that Joshiyi is responding to him and kissing him back. So I'm really not quite sure what happened. I actually think that it may be more likely that he passed out or, you know, got sick and passed out. And maybe that's why he didn't have his clothes on. The clothes got washed. I don't know. Um, we don't see anything. We don't know for sure. What we do know is who shows up in the middle of all of this is Joshi's father. He appears to know Gasada. He's like, what are you doing here kind of thing. And Joshi is looking between the two of them like, how do you two even know each other? What's going on? And that leads us into episode three, where the things, some of the things that have been going on come into the light finally, and we get an explanation. Not just us, the audience, but more importantly, Joshi gets his explanation finally. The question, of course, in episode three is, does it matter? He got his explanation, but really does it matter? They've been apart for five years. Does he want to pick up where they left off? Does he want to just move on? Can he trust again? So definitely a good show to watch. I think I, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed We Best Love season one also. Season two, it's a little, you know, rougher. A lot of passion in a negative way. A lot of emotion, anger, sadness, 
just all of that mixed in together into one big ball of misery for both characters. The acting was really great. Yu, who plays Zushui, is a rookie actor apparently, which, you know, I I'm surprised he's really good. But, um, you know, kudos to Sam, who plays Gao Shida. I, and on the one hand, with this character, I'm like, just tell him what's happening. Tell him the truth. But on the other hand, as a viewer, I'm really enjoying seeing the angst that Gao Shida is going through. And we really see that portrayed very well by Sam. The conflict that he feels, the yearning that he feels for Joshi. He just wants to get back together with him. But something is keeping him quiet. Something is keeping him silent. And it's torturing him. And he's really, Sam, the actor, is, is expressing that very well. I said it earlier, kudos to the director. I've watched way too many of these behind the scene clips. But you know, it's been an education. Uh, you got to see the choice he could have gone with and the choice he ultimately decided to go with with certain scenes. And just as a viewer, I feel like he made the right choices. In the next episode of this podcast, I'll be talking about episodes four through six of Fighting Mr. Second. I actually have seen four and five already. I have not yet seen episode six. So when, I, when I'll be recording for episode three of this podcast, it'll, it'll be something I have just seen, you know, fresh in my mind. Next up, I'm going to be talking about Second Chance which is the drama that was it's set in a high school. It, this one can be found on Line TV. In episode one, we were introduced to a whole host of characters. There's a lot of um, characters on the show. The main ones, though, are Tongfa, Paper, and Chris. Those are the three good friends that are like the main ones of the episode. There is some tension going on between Tongfa and Paper in the first episode. The second episode continues more of that tension. There's a lot of kind of looks between them. Tung Fa, you can tell already, likes Paper. Paper also has feelings for Tung Fa. I'm not sure if he's aware of exactly what Fa is feeling for him. I think he might be and is like purposely not responding to it. We also got to see more about the bullying situation going on in the school with Arthur. If you recall, I spoke about in the first episode, Arthur is the school bully. He's got his two cronies with him, bullying people, specifically bullying Jeno. There, somehow in, in the first episode, it comes out that they find out that Arthur has basically like been cheating and he thinks, um, che cheating academically. And he thinks it's Jeno that sold him out. Jeno's denying it, but he continues in this episode with bullying Jeno. There is the added dynamic that they are ex-boyfriends and it causes Jeno to, first of all, in the first episode, he says he wants to learn Muay Thai, a form of martial arts. So in this second episode, he does go through on signing up for a class to take uh, martial arts. He wants to learn how to defend himself. He, what he doesn't know is that one of the people who goes to this gym where he's gonna learn Muay Thai is Chris, one of the, the three main friends in the show. Chris is good at Muay Thai, I guess, it seems like he goes there every day, according to what some of the other characters said. He goes to the gym every day and he decides he's going to help Jeno. Now, Chris actually likes Jeno and is not being shy about saying it necessarily. He asks <laughs> Jeno if he can pursue him at one point. But of course, Jeno has been through so much. You know, he's being bullied by this ex-boyfriend of his. So he's not trusting and he doesn't quite know what to make of Chris. I can't even say he's getting over his previous relationship. He's not being allowed to get over the relationship because Arthur keeps torturing him in the school. We do see Paper and Chris 
and Jeno telling one of the school administrators, or I guess it's a teacher, about the situation because paper's actually um, class president, class representative. So I guess he keeps track of what's going on in the school and reports it to the teacher. And he reports that he had seen Jeno being bullied at one point and, you know, telling the teacher, check the CCTV. And they bring Arthur in to talk about it, which is something I have an issue with. I think they do this in American schools. I'm not sure if they still do this, but the idea of having the victim sitting there in front of the person who did this to them and then you're asking them oh did this person really hurt you of course the, the person is going to be scared I actually thought Jeno was going to deny it and he didn't he said yes I mean he didn't say it he nodded his head but that took a lot of courage to do that so I'm glad to see them addressing this in this episode. Arthur gets a suspension. It's kind of a light suspension. Not, well, he gets a month's suspension. Chris goads him a little bit, I think on purpose, and it seems like his punishment is longer. He's suspended until the rest of the term. I'm not sure if they had only one month left anyway though, but it seems like he got a long suspension after being goaded by Chris because he turns around and hits Chris right in front of the teacher, which, you know, tells you right there his severe anger problem. We don't really see Arthur for the rest of the episode I'm a little concerned that it's gonna backfire in a way like hopefully Jeno is safe now but Arthur doesn't seem like someone to let go of grudges and he's got the two cronies working with them they're still hanging around the school somewhere they were not going into the office so where are they I don't know maybe they'll go after Jeno later we don't know yet in the meantime Chris is trying his hardest to get close to Jeno Jeno like I said may not be ready at this moment for any kind of relationship but he looks like he's warming up a little bit to Chris just at least in terms of having a friendship so that's good to see I think he still doesn't know quite what to make of Chris Chris you know they kind of present him as this kind of silly person who's always trying to use pickup lines on different people so you're not quite sure how serious he is but he looks like he is serious about Jeno and Chris is like a silly but I think ultimately kind person and that's probably exactly what Jeno needs in his life again maybe not in you know, any kind of relationship but as a friend. We get to see a little more of a varied filming location here. We've got the Muay Thai gym where they're training and in a little bit of Jeno's house. His sister does find out from someone else that Chris seems to be interested in Jeno. She doesn't seem super concerned about it so I guess she also thinks Chris is an okay person. Obviously she's also concerned because she knows what Jeno has gone through with his ex so that is a concern and our episode finishes off just with Paper and Fa on a scooter. <laughs> um, together they're going home, but it's Fa that's actually driving and Paper is behind him and Paper is kind of like hesitating if he should put his hands on his waist, you know, to hold him. And that's where you see there's some feelings going on there. He's not quite sure what to do. And then ultimately he does decide to kind of loosely hold on to his, I don't even think he's holding his waist, he's holding his shirt, but you can tell he just doesn't know, you know, what to do. It's some confusion going on there. And that was it. This episode was pretty, general focused I feel and we got a little preview of the next episode but it was not subtitled so I couldn't tell exactly what was going on except that Fa is appears to be in a hospital and he's crying his eyes out so I'm not sure what that means for episode three something very sad obviously is about to happen I enjoyed this episode I really like the friendship between Fa, Chris, and Paper they kind of needle each other you know as friends but at the same time they all they, they are helpful towards each other they're looking out for each other Paper is like 
kind of scolding Chris at times because he feels like Chris isn't taking his future seriously. You know, there's a bit, there's an ongoing kind of discussion of what are you going to study in college? What do you want to be? You know, they're at that time in their life and Chris is not sure. He doesn't know what he wants to do with his future and Paper is worried about him because of that. And I just, I really like the friendship between them. Yeah, it was another good episode. I think I can say with, with certainty, with a fair amount of certainty, that I will be catching episode three as well. I'm just curious what happens for our characters and the Arthur storyline, the Geno storyline. I really hope things don't get worse for him. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for him. And next up, uh, by far and away, my favorite out of these three shows I'm reviewing, Word of Honor, episodes six through ten. I think this is a favorite for a lot of people. So episode five saw Shangling safely delivered to his family, Five Lakes Alliance. He's put into the care of second brother and fifth brother of the Five Lakes Alliance. So Jushi and Wang Kuxing now have completing their tasks, continue to travel together, and they wind up in a scary place, a coffin house, with some strange creatures that they now have to fight off. After making their escape, they now have to treat Zozushi's wounds. Remember, Zozushi is still ill. He's never been well. He's, he's still dying. So he can fight for a bit and then gets into bad condition. And it's made even worse because he He's hurt by these creatures. They're called drug men that they have fought. They have just fought. So in treating his wounds, one of the things that happens is he has some, some poison on him, or in him, I should say. And one Cushing, because Zuzushi cannot reach it, has to help him out. This is one of the scenes that, as a longtime BL bromance drama watcher, I am so surprised that the censors let this go. I mean, I am just truly shocked. Probably because you don't actually, you see the beginnings, you don't see an action actually occur so they let it go through but still in previous things like in Guardian I haven't finished watching Guardian as I mentioned in my last episode I watched it was stopped from watching it when it was pulled down from online because of censorship and then it was brought back up and I didn't get to start watching it again so I've, I've restarted it but that wasn't even anything close as far as I know in Guardians this was just looks memories whatever what happens here in Word of Honor is like a real step up from that and you know we're in episode six but you can say since episode two Juan Cushing has been flirting <laughs> Juan Cushing has been you know spouting poetry which is really just his way of flirting and the censors have let it go I'm surprised I mean is this a step forward for Chinese bill bromance dramas maybe it is maybe it's, this is the start of something new you know it's it seems like it's getting more and more popular to the show itself so and now you're seeing all these clips online you know the actors sort of promoting the show etc and it's being let go it's it's being allowed to happen so maybe things are changing slightly or maybe they're just letting them get a ton of money and then they'll pull it down i i hope not as i said i'm gonna cross my fingers Let's all cross our fingers together. But hopefully it's the start of something new. There are more BL dramas slated to be shown. There's a channel I watch sometimes called Avenue X where she talks sometimes about BL dramas. And she mentioned one, I can't remember the name of it, that already had to go back for a review that, that had been filled that already had to go back for a review because of the censors. So, you know, the censors are there. They're still keeping a close eye on the shows. So I'm not quite sure what happened with Word of Honor. Maybe because there wasn't like a big buzz about it. They didn't notice. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we all benefit from this. Episode six is filmed, is filled with more flirting slash fighting between Shozushi and Wan Cushing. We learn, well, at the end of episode five, while under the influence, we hear Wan Cushing saying Shozushi's real name, but we're not quite sure what it means. And 
In the same way here, he says, he doesn't say it to his face, but he's thinking out loud to himself, this is Josushi. He's sure that that's Josushi. We don't know why or how he knows him yet, but for some reason, he does know him. Josushi does not seem to recognize one Cushing though. They also have acquired during their fight in the coffin house, they've acquired a piece of the glazed armor. Now, the thing is, Josushi could care less about the glazed armor, so it really doesn't mean anything to him beyond the fact that it's causing people to fight each other, but it means nothing to him. He's just trying to live his life unbothered by anything. And one Cushing, I don't know what it really means to him either, besides him just sort of uh, gleefully looking at, you know, people fighting each other over this, what looks like a piece of blue glass. And actually, Josushi just turns it over to him, just gives it to him like nothing since he doesn't really care about it. So she just cares about his traveling and his wine and glazed armor is not going to help him with either one of those things. Now this whole conversation that they're having regarding the glazed armor is taking place around uh, a kind of lakeside and as they're talking about this they're also you know preparing to eat and I recommend remember in episode one I said this show is available on Viki and on YouTube and you can look at either one depending on what, whether you want to see fan subs or the official subs, whatever. But for this, I recommend watching it actually on YouTube, watching episode six on YouTube because the Yoku channel in honor of gaining 2 million subscribers actually put out a special version of episode six on the channel in which they added a missing scene that you will not find on Vicky. So one thing that I also particularly noticed in episode six is that there are a few times where Wang Cushing says something to Sojushi and he responds with this exasperated expression. The translations on Yoku, to me there was like no reason for Sojushi to be you know exasperated with Wang Cushing with whatever was said. So I felt like oh maybe something's being lost in the translation etc but the channel the youtube reactor channel well she's not a reactor but the youtuber i mentioned earlier avenue x she actually has a few videos where she explains what line is actually being said if you notice Sozushi, there's actually a dubber, a dubber for him, a voice actor in some parts. And, and also, you know, when one Cushing says some, says certain things, you can tell it's also been dubbed. And the reason for that is they filmed them saying certain lines, saying certain things, but then I guess it didn't really pass censorship and they had to go and change the line, change what was set so that it could pass through censorship. But because of the way that it was filmed, you can still see their lips moving. And if you can read their lips, you can tell what they're saying. And that's exactly what Mandarin speaking fans have done. Those who are at lip reading they've actually looked and seen or figured out what it was that the character actually said so if you get a chance i recommend that you go to avenue x's youtube channel where she has those videos showing exactly or telling what people think it was that one cushing said in reality versus what was said in the dub for the show if you think he's flirty already he's even more so if those original lines had been allowed to go through so before watching the show i saw a description a little bit of a description for the show i'm not sure if it's an it was an official one one cushing is described as someone who wants to watch the world burn and i think that is accurate because we see him at the end of episode six taking that piece of glazed armor so she just handed it over to him and having copies made of it i think he made like 30 copies or something so that it will just be distributed out in the world and of course that's going to cause complete chaos because everyone's trying to get this glazed armor so now you're going to have people fighting over with is essentially useless pieces of glass. He thinks this is amusing. He's sort of this very apparently nice social guy, you know, he knows his flattery when he meets new people, but the reality is he can turn on, turn on a dime, you know, he can be a vicious fighter and it's not like Josushi, when he fights, is just like pretty methodical about what he's doing. He's not feeling anything about it. He's just trying to accomplish his task. At least that's how it seems to me. And that's part of him having been an assassin. But with 
One Cushing, One Cushing is like a flip is being switched. His eyes turn like crazy eyes and he gets mad and he just strikes out. So the question is, which one is the real one Cushing? Happy-go-lucky guy or almost mad-mad looking guy? That's why he keeps telling Sozushi to show him his face, show him his real face. And Sozushi's turning in a rod on him saying like, you show me your true face, right? Because he hasn't seen it yet. We don't really know it. Well, we know a bit of it. We know at this point, he's the leader of the Ghost Valley. In episode one, you can see part of his face. That's one Cushing. And for you to be the leader of the Ghost Valley, I don't think you're happy-go-lucky guy. In episode seven, we get to see more of the people who make up Ghost Valley, the other ghosts. They each have their, I don't know if you call it a specialty, but there is happy ghosts, lustful ghosts. There um, is a ghost who goes after people who have been unfaithful. But whether they're called happy or whatever their name may be, they are all ruthless. In this episode, we get to see a representative from the Window of Heaven come to the Five Lakes Alliance to try to investigate the whereabouts of the glazed armor. He's at the Yuyang sect, which is where Changling's family is. That's where he's living right now. And if you remember, the Window of Heaven is the organization Sojushi is from. So Representative Han from the Window of Heaven meets Lord Gao, who's one of Chang's uncles, you know, to ask him about the glazed arm and of course denies knowing anything about it. Sojushi still hasn't left the area. He's just kind of keeping a, a last look at what's going on in Yoyang City where Changling is, just to make sure that Changling is safe. But he notices as he's waiting that there's an unusual man kind of standing outside and and after fighting this man, who should show up but Juan Cushing? What a miracle! He's appeared out of the shadows to be by Sozushi's side again. Anyway, they wind up hanging out together despite Sozushi's just trying to be on his way. And they wind up eating at a restaurant together. And Sozushi looks up and notices Gu Shang is up there eating with a young man who he doesn't know. And this is where we see, I think, for the first time, Juan Cushing as overprotective dad slash older brother because he's basically goes like stomping up the steps to see what is going on up there. And the poor guy that she's eating with, Sawaining his name, doesn't know who this guy is, doesn't know what's going on. But he got lay of the land pretty quickly that this is, you know, dad coming up to protect his daughter. Wang Cushing sort of scares him away or convinces him to leave and gets mad, not mad, but talks to Gushang about you know hanging out with this with this guy <laughs> it's actually a pretty funny scene between them the whole relationship between them is just funny she calls him master but i mean it's pretty clear that that is either older brother or slash dad for her for both of them and they wind up heading down stairs later and meeting up with sosushi sosushi but like this time uh in the episode has He's back to his original appearance, which is shocking to Gushan, of course. One Cushing is like patting himself on the back, like I knew all along that, you know, it was this beautiful guy or this amazing guy. So, of course, since Gushan is like so shocked, she's touching Suzushi's face, you know, in amazement about how he looks. And this is where you see Wan Cushing for the first time, I think. You see the jealousy <laughs> and the upset, not upset in a bad way, but it's, it's just really funny. But this is the start of it because he's going to have other jealous moments later as well. There's not much to say about episode eight. It's just more kind of political maneuvering, more people getting into place to try to find the glazed armor. Still thinking that Chungling has it. Chungling's own family thinks he may have some of the glazed armor. And now we have other people coming in 
because they hear that Chongling escaped from when his when his whole household was was destroyed, and they think he may have a piece of the glazed armor with him. Because of that, Wang Kuxing and Zosushi are still kind of hanging around. Zosushi, even though he completed his task that he promised the old man he would bring Chongling to his family, he's still recognizing all of these dangers that are surrounding Chongling, and because he's a honorable man, he just wants to make sure that Chongling is okay. Wang Cushing is just there to hang around Zosushi, basically. But he also cares for Chongling, you can tell in his own way. I don't know that it's uh, an honorable thing like in Zosushi's case, but he does care for the boy. You also, not for the first time, but you really see more, even more so, a softening of Zosushi towards Wang Cushing. And he still doesn't necessarily really trust him or his motivations, but I think he's trusting that one Cushing will have his back, even if he doesn't really know why. And one Cushing, who's been, we know he likes Sozushi. I mean, he's pretty obvious about that. Uh, he's been kind of flirty or whatever, but we see a little more introspection, a little softer feeling, not where Sozushi can see, but we can see it in one Cushing's facial expressions. And it's funny because Avenue X, the YouTuber I mentioned before, one of the things she talks about in one of her videos, and I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly which one it was. She was talking a little bit about Simon Gong's acting. I don't remember the exact terminology she used. I don't think she said it was like wooden acting, but it wasn't like in the past, he had not been in things that were um, where he was very expressive. And it was interesting to me that she said that because actually before I saw her video, I was thinking, I actually find Simon Gong very expressive in this show. And it's not big, wild, screaming emotions, but the micro expressions that he has shown so far, I think are very good. And from a viewer, it makes you really look closely to see these movements in his face, to see what he's really feeling. And it shows even more so that even though it's, he seems like he's just letting all his emotion out and letting you know exactly what he feels and he's flirting left and right. He's still holding a lot of things inside and you see that in the minute shifts in his expression. So it was interesting to me that she said that and one of the things she was saying was that I think she was kind of attributing it to the director. Like it shows this particular cast, this director, everything just gelled. Everything came into place for this show. Maybe that's true. Might be true. Although I have to say I saw, I didn't see all of Advance Bravely, but I saw a good chunk of that show. And I don't think he was bad there either. He sort of a little bit reminded me actually of Juan Cushing, that slyness to that same, in that character as well in Advance Bravely. I'm not sure. I have not seen him in anything else. I don't know how many other things he's been in. So maybe this has been some kind of issue on other things, but um, if that's the case, then, you know, the director ha in this show is doing a wonderful job of making sure that this character really comes through and that he's really showing us these things about this character. You know, same for Zhang Shehan, who's playing Zosushi. I don't think she had any, she didn't say anything negative about his acting and other things that she's seen him and he has been in a few other things. He also, he's playing a character that can be very deadpan, like not really showing expression, but he also has those little shifts an expression that we see. It's just that his character is that way overall, right? So it's okay if his expressions are really small and we really have to look. It's more interesting in one Cushing's or in Simon Gong's case, I think, because he's having to play the complete opposite of just being loud and letting it all out by doing those little micro expressions. It's more of a stretch in his case than it is for the Zosushi character. Episode nine, though it seems kind of a slow episode, there's really not much going on. There actually is a lot going on in a sense. 
because there's a whole discussion of soulmates between Inusozushi and Wang Cushing. Not saying they're soulmates, but just discussing what soulmates are. And it's really causing Inusozushi to, to think about the concepts. And also we see really for the first time a, a kind of rift developing between them because they've got very different ways of thinking. This is not part of the soulmate discussion. This is something that happens later in the episode. There's a difference in their way of thinking and it causes them to look at the world in very different ways. Sozushi is a noble person at heart. They keep calling him soft-hearted and I think that's probably true. One Cushing is, as I mentioned earlier, there's a description of him. He wants to watch the world burn. That is kind of how he is. And the decision he made earlier to make those fake copies of the glazed armor is causing a lot of chaos now in the world that those fake pieces are out. And he's finding it really enjoyable and hilarious. And Sosushi obviously does not because he knows what it's going to cause to have all these people trying to fight each other over what are essentially useless pieces of glass. And he knows the amount of people that could be hurt or killed because of this. And Wan Cushing doesn't really, doesn't care. You know, they're strangers to him. He just cares about himself, uh, Goshang, his maid, and Wan Cushing and Chang Wing. And that's pretty much it. That's all he cares about in the world. But actually something happens here in this episode also that opens Wan Cushing's eyes to things. For the first time ever, I think he's kind of seeing the consequences of doing something that he thinks is amusing and it actually winds up hurting people and it causes an argument between him and Sozushi. And they're both feeling really upset. At the same time, it's a, it's a good thing for Wan Cushing to see that his actions have consequences. Not much happens um, for our main characters in episode 10, Sozushi and Wan Cushing, because due to the argument, they spend the entire episode separated from one another, each going through their own thing. So, so she meets someone who he met in an early episode, but someone from his past who he's just having a conversation with and reflecting on you know, his own actions and, and everything. And we get to see Juan Cushing in his role as leader of Ghost Valley. And we see that he can really be kind of evil. It's interesting as a viewer to see this dichotomy between him usually being carefree when he's around Zozushi and how he is as the evil leader of the Ghost Valley. So it's an interesting episode in the sense that we get to see them separate from each other and having characters development that way instead of just bouncing off of each other as in previous episodes. Another enjoyable few episodes. Um, now we have to see how do our heroes get back together again. They're still separated after their argument. This show I've heard had a low budget. I can't really tell. It's not something that's super obvious. Uh, there is a scene in episode six that some people felt had some bad CGI, some bad special effects. It didn't bother me, but if you're someone who cares a lot about that, then you'll maybe get a good little laugh out of, of that part of episode six. But that would be the only thing is that that's where you could see a little bit of a problem with the budget kicked in. Definitely recommend continuing with the show if you're, you know, if you're watching and you're up to these episodes, up to episode 10. It's fascinating to see Juan Cushing's character especially as leader of the Ghost Valley. How are they going to bring him back in the show? How are they going to bring him back to being a noble person who can stand by Zosushi's side? And actually Zosushi's not feeling too noble himself, right? He's having memories 
or thinking back to the things in his past and what got him to where he is today. So obviously I highly recommend this show. (laughs) I'm catching it if you haven't seen it yet. And our next podcast will be discussing episodes 11 through 20 of Word of Honor, the next episode of Fish Upon the Sky, and the next episode of Second Chance. Thank you for listening and stay safe everyone.